0: Welcome to the ProVest Perspective with Noel Swain, CFP, and host Pamela Lida. Noel is an investment advisor with Cambridge Investment Research, a monthly columnist for the Spartanburg Herald Journal newspaper, and has been interviewed many times on NPR. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready for some straightforward, honest talk. Now, here's Noel Swain and host Pamela Lida.
1: I have a question for the audience. Now, When you were sold your last investment, did you feel like you were sold a product or a process that was specialized for you? Well, the truth is, not all financial advisors are created equal. And so since it's important to go in eyes wide open to any engagement with a financial advisor, we think it's important that you interview anyone you're given access to your money, you know, just to make sure you're hiring the best person for you and your situation. Noelle, I know that you are so passionate about the fact that we sell a process and a product. And we look at each individual when they come in to make sure that all recommendations that we give them are personalized. And we do that using the software in our trademark wealth toolkit, such as matching their personal risk level to the risk that is in their investment portfolio. Also looking at their income expenses in retirement to give them the best recommendation for the successful retirement. Therefore, Noel has helped develop 14 questions for you to take note of that will help anyone be assured that they're getting what they paid for.
2: Yeah, that's true, Pamela. First of all, the first question that you should ask anyone who you're talking to about investing your hard-earned money is this question, are you securities licensed? This is so important because if all they have is an insurance license, you can be sure that they're leaving 90% of the investments that could do you good on the table. They're not really licensed. They can't really sell you those. So they've got to be advocates for some type of an interest bearing program. They've got to be advocates for like an annuity or something like that. And this is not what you want. So you ask Are you securities licensed whenever you talk to somebody on the phone? Now, if they say yes, that's great. You've got a second question to ask them. Number two, say, if I wanted to purchase a 1,000 shares of Duke Energy stock, could I do it through you? And then see what they say. If they say yes, then you know you've got a real investment professional. If they say, no, I can't do that. I can only do mutual funds. Then what you do is you act like Elvis and you say, thank her very much and hang up the phone. You just say, thank you very much. I'm done. And just hang up the phone because you know that you're not getting a real financial advisor. You're getting a financial salesperson.
1: Well, if they are licensed to sell securities, that's my question. And it could be somebody in the audience. So if they are licensed to sell securities, but they don't sell everything, I guess they still sort of become a product pushman.
2: Yeah. We call people product pushers all the time because what they're doing is they're selling a product. They're not actually trying to have a process to where they look at and they study your own needs and wants and desires. And they try to give you the right product for what you want to accomplish. No, they've got, (laughs) they've got a product. They want to sell it to you. It's sort of like it doesn't matter what the question is. The answer is always going to be a fixed index annuity or a CD or whatever it is. It's always going to be that because that's what they're selling. That's all they've got. And so you want to make sure that you're not getting one of those people. Do we believe all annuities are bad or all CDs are bad? Of course not. We don't. We think that there's places for every type of investment. But I can tell you that every single investment doesn't call for the exact same thing that some people try to sell. Now, the second question that you might ask them is, what securities licenses do you hold? Now, I sort of went over that. If they have a Series 7, then you know that they pretty much got it made and they can do that. Now, if they've got a Series 65, then they can also be charging you for advice. For example, they can say, we don't take commissions, but we do take these. It's so important that we do this. It is so important that you understand that people that work on commission, especially work on commission where there's a very high upfront commission and that they are able to get all the money that they're going to make on you up front, then they're probably not going to give you a lot of service down the road. I mean, why would they? You know, they've already made their money. That's why I believe that having a fee-based advisor is so much more likely to give you what you want because you know that you're going to be paying for the service over a period of time, but you're not paying anything up front. And that's a very good thing.
1: Well, Noel, before you get into the next question, I just want to uh, come in here and remind everyone that we do have these 14 interview questions on our website, 14 interview questions to ask any financial advisor before you hire them. This is our featured report this week, and the website you can find it at is www.theprevisperspective.com, or you can give us a call at 800-277-0025. Again, the number to reach us is 800-277-0025. Noel, what is question number three?
2: The third question that people should ask anybody that they're considering hiring to invest their money for them is in the past year, what percentages did you put into the following products? And I know this is going to be a little bit long and you might not want to write this down, but we do have this report on our website. You can download it yourself or you can call us and and we'll send that to you. But the questions are, how much percentage of each of these do you devote to life insurance, fixed annuities, fixed index annuities, variable annuities, mutual funds, individual stocks and bonds, third-party managed accounts using exchange-traded funds, in-house managed accounts using exchange-traded funds, interval funds, and real estate investment trusts? If you've got somebody who's putting some in some and some in another and some in another and and it's a fairly broad range, then you know that you've got somebody who is looking out for the best interest of his clients. If you've got somebody where 98% of it is in one particular thing, variable annuities or mutual funds or fixed index annuities, then you know that you've got somebody that's got a product that they're selling and that that's what they want to sell. That's how that works. If this is something that you have an interest in, if you're thinking about hiring a financial advisor and you're going to call two or three, hopefully we'll be one of those two or three that you'll call. But as far as the other ones that you'll call, if you're planning on doing that, get this report. Download this report because it is so important to have that. That way you can have the questions at your beck and call. And like I say, that's only the first three. We got, what's that? 11 more to 11 go? 11 more
1: to go, yeah. Well, you know, as I said at the top of the show, uh, you know, this is somebody that you're hiring to manage all of your life savings. You want to make sure that you're hiring the right person and that your goals are in line. You know, one thing we use a lot is the Wealth Toolkit. You know, we'll go into that more as the show goes on, but that's something that we use to develop personalized plans, and we look at risk and retirement planning, Social Security, and Based on that, we have recommendations and we have sold a variety of different products. I know we have our favorites that you know tend to work the best, but depending on what is going to work best toward their goals and what the client feels comfortable with, we kind of mutually decide on the best product for them. So 14 interview questions to ask any advisor. This is something that we believe everyone needs to have a copy of. So please go to our website www.theprovestperspective.com. Download a copy there. We've got a few other reports there. We also have a link to the Wealth Toolkit if you'd like to click on that and read about each one of the tools.
2: Yeah. And one thing to do, try the big red button.
1: Yes. We have the big red button right below the link to the Wealth Toolkit. We don't want you to miss that big red
2: button. Yeah. Try the big (laughs) red button. and, And that way you find out what kind of risk do you feel comfortable taking on a sum of money that you have. But anyway, that's something to do on our website. TheProVestPerspective.com. It's a great website. We're working on it every single week and updating it and making sure things are good. If you're not a computer person, then dial us up. 800-277-0025. Make sure that you give us a call. 800-277-0025. Give us a call.
1: It is a great day here on The ProVest Perspective. I am host Pamela Leida and I'm here with CFP Noel Swain. And if you're just tuning in, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to us. Today's discussion is 14 interview questions you should ask any advisor before hiring them. You know, we believe it's important to go in eyes wide open with any financial advisor or engagement. You know, it's important that you interview them because, you know, you're giving them access to money that you have spent your entire life savings. So you want to make sure you're hiring the best person that's going to be best for you in your situation and that your goals are in line. So lots of little things to look for. We've already covered the first three questions. The most important questions, are you licensed to sell securities? You know, if they're not, you may not want to go any forward because they're going to be a product salesman, not someone that we believe is selling in your best interest things such as what security registrations they hold and what percentages of different investment products do they sell? Do you find them selling just one particular kind or do they sell a variety of different kinds? So we have a copy of these interview questions in case you've missed anything on our website at www.theprevistperspective.com and you can always call us for a copy. The number is 800-277-0025. So we're up to question four. Noah, I'll let you take it from here.
2: Yeah, each one of these questions are so important to ask somebody because they all reveal something about the advisor that you might not know. The fourth question is important and it's, you know, what kind of experience do you have? How long have you been in the financial advice business? While longevity doesn't always equal knowledge in this business, it is easy to understand why some people in their 50s and 60s may not put their full trust in the judgment of a 35-year-old with five years of experience. You know, we get really good feedback on our program and the things that we can improve on it. But there's one guy that says, you know, we've got 10 years experience in financial advice to retirees. And I think to myself, 10 years of experience? That didn't even take us back to the market meltdown of 2008. They've never seen a big market meltdown. I was around in 2008. I was around in 2000 and 2001. In 1999, when Y2K was supposed to be the big thing that was going to blow up all the computers, and nobody knew what was going to happen. And 2000 came and nothing happened. And then I was around in 1990 when we had the mini crash. I was around through the Clinton years when the market did very well. The baby boomers were in their most prosperous years, and we were really getting things done. And I was around in 1987 when the market had that one-day 22% drop that scared us to death. And we keep hearing about the 1987 crash. We keep hearing about that and how bad it was. And that was one day. That was October the 19th, 1987. Do you know that every bit of that money was back? Every bit of what had been lost was back by May of 1988. It was all back just a few months later. That's what you didn't hear. That's what you haven't heard a lot of people say, especially the people that say, oh, no, you should never have your retirement in the stock market. You should never, ever do that because you want your money to be safe. Well, there's a difference between safe and stable. And I can get into that a little bit later, but that's not for discussion today, even though I would love to go into it. But what we're talking about is, you know, ask them, what is your experience? How long have you been in the business? If they say, well, I've been in the business five years and I've got an insurance license and I think you should have this annuity, that's the time to hang up the phone or walk out of the office or show them to your door. They might be at your house. But if that's the case, that's what you do. Number five, question that you should ask. Do you have any credentials? What kind of credentials? I'm talking about, do you have any professional credentials? Like if you're a lawyer, you're a JD. If you're a medical doctor, you're an MD. If you are a certified financial planner, then you are a CFP. That is the most well-known and most respected designation in the financial planning field. But there are others. There's a CHFC, which stands for Chartered Financial Consultant. There is a CFA, which is a Chartered Financial Analyst. You can go to a CPA, even though they're more in the accounting field because it's a certified public accountant. They can still help sometimes in evaluating an investment, even if investments is not something that they do. Other credentials could be CLU, which stands for Chartered Life Underwriter, and that's mainly for people that are in the life insurance field. And if you have a complicated estate situation where you need a professional life insurance person, well, the CLU designation may be where you look to find somebody that can help you there. There's also the CEBS, which stands for Certified Employee Benefits Specialist, and that's somebody who works with company benefits and things of that nature. And that's a good designation for if you run a business and you want somebody to come and talk to you about all the benefits that you offer your employees. And the last one I want to talk about is RHU, that's Registered Health Underwriter. That's somebody who does mainly health insurance, which is such a big mess today. You know, with the cost of health insurance running, good gracious, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a month for a single person. I mean, it takes up so much of our income just to pay for health insurance and these high deductible plans. You need people that are credentialed. And so that's what I'm saying about these. Do you hold the right credentials, the person that you're talking to? And if you're talking about investing your money, that would more than likely be the CFP.
1: You know, Noel's been writing a newspaper column for many years as well. He's a CFP. So, you know, he believes that his experience has really helped him to develop the process of the Wealth Toolkit. And he's very passionate about making sure all of his clients, you know, enjoy the best retirement possible because we want to give them an individualized plan. Not the same plan that someone just got that, you know, might have left 30 minutes earlier. And one way that we do that is, you know, we match their personal risk to their portfolio risk because we don't want them to get scared out of the market. We want them to be invested right. We don't want them to be invested too aggressively or maybe not aggressive enough. I mean, Noel was talking about the big red button earlier and you, you might want to check it out. You may have more or less risk than you realize. And this uh, gives a number between one and ninety nine. Pretty interesting. And, you know, if you don't know much about computers, you can give us a call and Noel can walk you through that process. So the number to reach us is 800- Two seven seven zero zero two five. Another thing that we do is look at individual incomes and expenses, you know, just to make sure that they can really feel good about their retirement. So this is just a couple of the features of the wealth toolkit. And this is also on our website, www.theprovestperspective.com and right below the featured report, which is what we're discussing today of the 14 interview questions. You'll find a little verb about that and you can click on the link, read about each of the tools. Also on our website, The Big Red Button, just a lot of good information that we'd like for you to check out there. So, again, the website, www.theprovestperspective.com.
2: Man, we love that big red button, don't we? We do. It's,
1: it's <laughs> very easy to see. It is big and red.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next question that we've got for you to ask someone that you are considering trusting with your life savings. Think about that. That's a lot of trust, folks. Trusting them with everything that you have made over a 40 year career. Man, that's sort of tough to think about. But what you ask the person, and this is something that you're going to have to make a personal judgment about. And that is, what is your investment philosophy? When you're asking somebody, what is a philosophy that you actually have when it comes to investing? Now, it may be that your advisor has a philosophy that you should never, ever put retirement money in the stock market. And then there might be other people that say, why wouldn't we want the growth that you can get from the stock market as long as we're being very careful with the money? Let me tell you a little bit about my investment philosophy, because I think it's something that everyone should hear. I want everyone to know it anyway. I'm an active manager. We believe in active management. I've heard so many of these guys talk in the past about, well, you know, if you have your money in the stock market and the market goes down, you'll lose it. But is that really true? I mean, do you have to stay in the stock market and it starts going down? Are you not allowed to get out? Are you not allowed to take your money and do something else with it? Well, if you have one of their annuities, you're not really allowed to get out. Now, what they're going to do is they'll say if the market doesn't make anything or if the market goes down, you will make zero, you know, and if you're happy with zero, that's fine. But that's what they'll do. And then if they say, well, if the market makes money, you make money. But how much of it do you make? If the market goes up 15%, how much is yours going to go up? If the market goes up 30%, how much is yours going to go up? That's the question. So what I think is appropriate is first we employ You guessed it, the big red button, (laughs) because what that does, it talks about the risk inherent because there's always going to be some risk in anything that we do. If you're getting out this morning and you're getting ready to go to church and you drive to church, there is a certain amount of risk in getting out on the road and driving to church. There is some risk in that. So is the risk appropriate for what you're getting ready to do? Are you going to drive safely? Are you going to drive like you have some sense and go to church and then enjoy the fellowship with the people and listen to a good message? Is that what you're going to do? Well, then, yeah, that's what you should do. Now, the way we look at managing money is we are active managers, which means that, yes, we use investments in the stock market, but we have indicators that tell us how the stock market is reacting on a short-term, medium-term, and long-term basis. and if the market is acting up and it's starting to go down, then we can take the money out of the market. If it looks like it's a long-term downturn, then we'll remove the money. And sometimes it's not a long-term downturn. Sometimes it's a short-term and we'll be out for a little while. But the thing of it is you don't have to take all the losses of the market if the market goes down. That's why it's so important to know the philosophy of the person that you're about to trust to invest the rest of your money or all of your retirement money for the rest of your life.
1: You know, it's important for anyone, before they give someone access to their entire life savings, as Noel was saying earlier, that, you know, you ask them these 14 questions. You know, you want to help make sure that what you're getting in exchange for, what you're paying for, you know, is worth it. And you want to make sure that, you know, both of your goals are in line. So these 14 interview questions are on our website. Again, that is www.theprovestperspective.com. That is our featured report. And we've also got some information on the Wealth Toolkit and the big red button that Noel has been referring to. So we encourage you to get that report, download it, share it, keep it for reference. You know, just a lot of good, important reasons for you to keep a hold of it. So again, the website www.theprovestperspective.com. TheProvesPerspective.com, or you can always call us as noel said the number is 800-277-0025 again 800-277-0025 this is the provest perspective i'm host pamela light and i'm here with noel swain cfp and today we are discussing 14 interview questions that you should ask any advisor before hiring him or her we've put this together because we feel it's important to interview your financial advisor before you hire them, you want to make sure that your goals line up with theirs. And so far, we've discussed questions such as, are you licensed to sell securities? Well, what kind of registrations do you hold? And what kind of investment vehicles do you sell? How long have you been in the business? What credentials do you hold? And what's your investment philosophy? This is something that Noel has put together because as I said, he does feel it's important to interview that person before you hire them. This is your life savings that they're going to have. And you want to make sure it's somebody that you can trust and somebody that their goals line up with yours. And we have been discussing these 14 questions. We're about halfway through. But if you've missed anything, we're just coming in. We've got this entire report on our website, www.theprovestperspective.com. It is the featured report. It can be found at the top of the page. And you can always call us for a copy. 800. 800- two seven seven zero zero two five again eight hundred two seven seven zero zero two five. It's important to ask them what kind of clients they specialize in.
2: That is question number seven when you ask somebody is and you know, what's their specialty? What do they do? Because some financial advisors work exclusively with wealthy individuals and their families. Others may work specifically with business owners or people in a certain professional field, such as doctors or university professors. Choosing an advisor who works with clients whose situations are similar to yours means he or she will be better equipped to offer the type of guidance and advice you need. Now, a lot of advisors say, well, we specialize in helping people that are retired invest their money. And that's true. That's what they're aiming for. But they get the idea that people who are retired, they want their money to be completely locked up and guaranteed and I've got to tell you that the people who never give you the option to have part of your money in, let's call it a safe investment like an annuity, and then part of your money in something that can grow, something that has a lot more potential for growth, and bringing those together where they work together rather than just doing one thing, that's not really operating in the best interest of the client. And that bleeds right into question number eight that you should ask somebody is, are you a fiduciary? And a fiduciary is not something that you can say, well, yeah, I'm a fiduciary. That's not always the case. You got to find out if they have a Series 65, then yeah, they're a fiduciary. If they're only licensed to sell insurance, then no, they're not a fiduciary. If one is a CFP, that person is automatically a fiduciary. Now, what is a fiduciary? A fiduciary is somebody who must put your interests first. Somebody who must look out for your interests before looking out for their own. The other standard is called suitability. And suitability means that they sell you a product that is merely suitable for you, but it may not be in your best interest. For example, the difference in between something suitable and something not Might be selling an annuity with a really high surrender charge and a high commission rather than one with a lower fee or a lower commission where the surrender charge doesn't last quite so long. There was a lady that came in here uh, a couple of years ago and she showed me an annuity she had bought just a few months before from a person that has an office less than two miles from my office. What he had done is put her in an annuity that had a 17-year surrender charge. That means that she could not get all of her money out of that account for a full 17 years. There was going to be a withdrawal penalty on that account for 17 years. And I said, there's no way that I would put you through that. It was a 15% penalty too. And I told the lady there's no way I'd put her through having to go through that penalty to get her money out. And so I couldn't work with her at that time. Then I saw her, I guess, a couple of years later. And she told me that the guy had come to her, taken 10% of that money out of that annuity and put it in another annuity doing the exact same thing, starting the surrender period all over again for that 10% that she took out of that account. And I said, that was just too far. I couldn't allow that to happen anymore. So when it came time for her to take that 10% withdrawal again, which she could do without a penalty, we had her move it into one of our IRAs that she would be able to get the money at any time. We don't ever have any penalties on our investments. There is no charge to put it in, no charge to keep it in, no charge to take it out. I mean, there is a fee on the management of it, and that's how we make our money. But we don't make it on a big front-end commission. You know, some of these things. This guy, she invested $110,000 in her investment. This fellow made $11,000 in commission at one time. $11,000. And so it's always important to ask them: are you a fiduciary Or do you go by the suitability standard? That's something that is so important.
1: So when you met with your last advisor, did you feel like you were sold a process or a product? You know, we use the Wealth Toolkit. That is a process. And we use this process because we feel very passionately that we want something that is individualized for that person. We don't have one particular product we sell. We look at their whole picture, their individual situation their risk, their retirement planning. We want to make sure that what we give them is advice that's going to be best for them, not just something that we're pushing on them. Very rarely do we have commissions. I know depending on the situation, it may be something that's, you know, in the best interest of the client, but that's just, we look at what is in the best interest of the client. Noel is a fiduciary because he is a CFP. So, all right. So we've hit number questions number one through eight.
2: Noel. Okay. Number nine to ask a potential advisor is, how are you compensated? Are you compensated by commission? Are you compensated by fees? Or do you mix them? Is there both in there? You know, a lot of financial advisors now charge a percentage of the assets under management or some type of a fixed fee or some type of an hourly fee or a combination of those. And then a lot of people, they receive commissions. They work strictly on commissions And so you buy one of their products and they're going to make a nice big commission on that account. That's what you can look forward to. And so when you're asking that question, you need to find out how they do it. And so the next question, 10, if it's a fee, what fee am I going to be paying? What kind of fees am I going to be paying? How much do you charge? This is not something where you should ever back off from asking an advisor because Some advisors charge different fees. And I will tell you that while we probably aren't the cheapest, we work very, very hard for our money because we are active managers. We save our clients money in other ways. I've had this happen to me before where somebody came in and they asked me what I charge. And I told them and they said, well, so-and-so charges less than that. I said, but did he tell you how much the mutual funds he's putting you in? Did he tell you how much they charge? He said, well, no, they didn't tell me that. I said, well, what is he recommending for you? And he told me, and I looked up the charges on the mutual funds, and it turned out they were charging a lot more than we were because we use, when possible, we use very, very low expense ETS or exchange-traded funds. So the total advisory fee is one thing that you ask. The next thing is, what is a mutual fund fee that you're paying or a variable annuity fee? And is there a brokerage fee? And is there anything else that you're paying for? And these fees, you add all them up and that's your total fee. And a lot of times when you're investing in a variable annuity, sometimes the fees can run as high as four, four and a half percent. When you're working with an advisor who's using mutual funds that charge two and a half, three percent, and he adds one percent on top of that, again, you're getting into three and a half, four, four and a half percent. So it's sort of hard for an advisor to make a really good return when they're charging you that much. Our charges actually for the higher amounts that we handle, the fees come in sometimes less than 2% and sometimes a good bit less than that. So that's some of the things that we talk about that we believe is important to discuss. How are you compensated? And if it's fees, how much is the fee? And make sure that you get all that in writing because, Sometimes people can tell you (laughs) things that you'll have to go back and get him to explain to you later because he may not be telling you exactly the way it is. I know that we offer ours in writing. So anyway, that's where we are right now. Pamela?
1: Yes. You know, Noel's been in this business long enough that he knows what questions to ask. If you're a novice or this is not something you do, you don't know the questions to ask. And, you know, you may take their answers and not know how to pry further and get the real answer. So we don't want you to make a mistake that you can't get out of for 7, 10 or maybe even 17 years. Any decision you make, you need to make it eyes wide open. You need to know what you're getting into. If you buy that fixed index annui, just know what you're getting into. We don't want you to make any mistakes. So this report is available on our website. The 14 interview questions that you need to ask any advisor before hiring them It's on our website, which is www.theprovestperspective.com. We do have a lot of other reports on there. We have information on the Wealth Toolkit that we've heard a lot to and the big red button that we have also talked about. And you can always call us 800-277-0025. Again, the number to reach us 800-277-0025. I hope that you're learning some valuable information. And if you're just tuning in, we'd like to catch you up. We have been talking about the 14 interview questions that you should ask any advisor before hiring them, because we do believe you need to go in any situation, eyes wide open. This is someone you're trusting with your life savings. You want to make sure that your goals align with theirs. Lots of good information. Noel's been in the business a long time, so he knows what questions to ask. He's put them together for you. Things such as, are you licensed to sell securities? What type of investment vehicles do you generally invest in? You know, what's your investment philosophy? Are you credentialed? Lots of questions that you wouldn't know. So we started the last segment discussing fees. Noel's question was, how are you compensated? Fees, commissions, or both? And then if fees, how do they work? So We are going to continue the discussion a little bit further now on commissions. And, Noel, I'm going to let you go into that a little bit. Yeah.
2: If you ask the question about how do you get compensated fees, commissions, or both, and they say commissions or both, you need to ask them about the commission. You need to ask them, you know, what is a total commission that I'm going to be charged on this thing that you are telling me about? Now, they might say, we don't charge it to you. That person I was telling you about earlier that invested $110,000, and it had a 17-year surrender period on it, that fella told her, not only will we not charge you a commission, we'll give you a 10% bonus on that account. So her account went from one hundred and ten to $121,000, and the company paid the salesman 10% or $11,000. If they added $11,000 to her account and they gave him $11,000 to sell the product, how does the company make money on that? Well, they make money because what they're doing is they're getting a great big spread on what they're paying you versus what they are investing the money for for themselves. Now, they won't make it all back at one time because they had to pay out 22% of what this client put in to get that money in-house. but like I said, they're not going to make it all back at one time, but what they will do is they'll make it back over time. That's why that surrender charge is so long is because they're paying out such a high commission and they're paying out what that bonus is. Well, the commission on that account is what the guy is making or what is being actually being charged. Now, sometimes you do get charged a commission. Sometimes you put in a hundred dollars and, And there'll be a 5% sales charge. So you wind up investing $95 of that hundred. And that's quite legitimate too. But that is the commission of that sale. But if somebody is saying, well, we're not charging you a commission. Well, then you say, well, how are you making money? And they say, well, the company pays me. Well, how do they pay you if it's not out of my money? So you have to ask the question. You have to be skeptical, so to speak, when somebody's telling you that. And so. If they say, well, the company's paying me, then say, well, how much are they paying you? And that way, you know the commission. You know what they're making. That is the commission. That's what you ask them. And so that's what you find out about. Question number 12, and this is something that you need to know, especially having to do with annuities. Is there a surrender charge for this financial product that you are recommending? Most of the time, when you're talking to somebody having to do with an annuity, the answer is going to be yes. There is a surrender charge. The next question, how long does that surrender charge last? Like I was saying about this other lady that had come in to see me, it was 17 years. That's how long the surrender charge last? How much was the penalty? 15%. The first several years. I think the first five years of it. Then it starts going down a little bit. But this is how they do it. This is how they are able to get your money and keep your money. They make it sticky because they make it very expensive for you to get out of that account. So what do we do here at ProVest? How do we do it? Well, we invest in real investments. Sometimes an annuity is the right thing to do. But the annuities that we sell pay no commission. You buy it. And we charge a fee to manage the money in the annuity. We can only do this with certain companies because not very many companies do it the way that we do it. But that is how we go about doing it. If we put you into mutual funds or exchange-traded funds or a brokerage account that invests in these things or invest in real estate investment trusts or, or alternative funds, interval funds, then we don't charge anything on the front of that. If we put you into a mutual fund and you want out the next day, you can get out what it's worth at that time. No surrender charge, no penalty, no nothing. That's the way that we do it. If you put in a hundred thousand dollars with one of these guys that make a big commission, then he'll make five thousand dollars right off the bat with you. We make eighty bucks. And we make eighty bucks a month on that because that's what we're charging to manage the money.
1: Well, no, the question somebody out there might be thinking is if we don't charge anything for them to leave, what incentive do we have, you know, to try to keep them here?
2: That's a good question, Pamela. And I've been asked that several times. You know, if you do business with one of those guys that has a great big surrender fee and it lasts a long time, what is your incentive to stay there is because you don't want to lose all that money if you decide to get out. With us, well, we don't charge that. You don't lose anything if you leave. So what is your incentive to stay? We give excellent service. We make sure we stay in touch. Just last week, I had telephone calls and appointments with a couple of dozen clients just to keep them up on what they're doing. Nothing real special, just as a review of their accounts. How often do you get a call for a review of your annuity? Do you ever get a call? Is anybody going to get in touch with you? Unless they have something else to sell you. We call when we have nothing to sell. All we're trying to do is make sure that you're happy with what you have, that you understand what you have, that you know what's going on. You know, we'll explain to you what's going on in the market. We'll do all that stuff. So, yes, we have a very, very strong incentive to give you great service because we don't make it hard to get out of our investment if you don't like it. And that is so important.
1: Yeah, we want everyone to have a happy retirement. So for that reason, we do our best to give everyone an individualized plan. We use our wealth toolkit to do that. And then as Noel said, we stay in touch. That's our incentive. We don't make commissions. So our incentive is to give you the best of service, stay in touch. We've had client events in the past. We're always available for people for anything that they may need. So that's another reason why Noel's put together these 14 questions. We want you to have a copy of that. So we encourage you, if you are just joining in and maybe you've missed some of these, or if you just want to have a copy to hold on to or even share, you can go to our website at www.theprovisperspective.com and download a copy. You can always call us. 800-277-0025. Always have someone standing by and we can rush that out to you or answer any questions or if you're interested in coming in to see Noel, you know, call us and we'd love to get you on the books to see him. Again, the number to reach us anytime, 800-277-0025. Noel, we are coming to the end, so I'm going to let you finish up with these last two questions.
2: Question number 13 that you ask of financial person that you're considering investing your life savings with, is do you write full financial plans for your clients? And if so, how much do you charge for an average written plan? Now, there's a lot of times when someone comes in, they really just want to invest the money. They feel comfortable with what they're doing. They feel comfortable with their choices. And so they don't really want a plan. And so we don't make people have a plan. We don't make people pay for a financial plan that they don't think that they need, but part of our wealth toolkit, you know, what we're so excited about, what we have actually trademarked because it is so powerful in this wealth toolkit is the ability to do what is scenarios. Someone comes to us and say, Well, I want to retire at a particular level of income when I get to retirement. How much money will I need? And so we go through that. We go through what they're investing in their 401k, what they have in regular savings, what they're doing with an inheritance they may have gotten. What kind of return are they getting? Is it sitting in a money market fund where it can't make anything? Or is it in something where it's only going to make 2 3 4%? Or is it going to invest in something that can make a pretty good bit more than that and hopefully have a good bit of money at the time that they get ready to retire? We run the what-if scenarios. We do these things. We think it's important for people to have a financial plan. We certainly don't make people do it. We get several calls and when people come in, we talk about the plan and you know, our charge on the average when we do a financial plan is right around $800. It's not a real expensive, but this is mainly for people that have a seven or eight figure investment portfolio. Not the people that come in with $100,000, they don't really need that kind of planning because they don't need to have their money diversified in a lot of different investments to make sure all their investments come together and work well together with each other. When someone only has a small amount of money, you know, low six figures, to mid six figures, something like that, then more than likely a couple of different investments is going to be what they need, not a lot of different investments, and they probably won't need to have a full-blown financial plan. Now, the 14th question that you ask somebody, do you have any disclosures? Is there a mark on your record? And if so, what's it about? Tell me about it. Disclosures can refer to any past regulatory, criminal, or disciplinary actions on an advisor's record. These can be red flags when deciding who to work with. And it's according to what kind of disclosures they have. It might have been somebody just made a complaint about them, and the complaint was denied because it was a frivolous complaint. This happens fairly often, but you need to know. You need to know what those disclosures are. And you can get these at www.prokercheck.com. You can find that out, anybody that you're considering working with. So those are the 14 questions, and we believe it's a really good idea to. Have this list and just call us and we can send it to you. That's how we work. Isn't that right, Pam?
1: That's right. We have these 14 questions put together just for you because we want you to have the information necessary to make the best decision possible. So download them and share them. Keep them. Take them with you on any interview that you do with any advisor, even us. We welcome that. Hopefully, we've answered a lot of those questions throughout, but you know, bring it. And this and any other questions you have, we are an open book. We want you to know what you're getting into. So again, the featured report, 14 interview questions is on our website, and we also have a lot of information about our Wealth Toolkit. We've talked a lot about that today, so check that out. That is just below the uh, featured report of the day on our website, www.theprovestperspective.com. You can always call us. You can call us for a copy of the report for any questions you need or to set up an appointment to come in. The first one is always complimentary to meet with Noel, discuss with him your situation, and uh, see if you have any particular questions. might be better answered in person. Again, the number 800-277-0025. We look forward to talking with you again. And remember, don't just invest, ProVest.
0: And thanks for listening to the ProVest Perspective Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information on Noel Swain CFP or this episode, visit theprovestperspective.com. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Provost Wealth Advisors are not affiliated. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Investing involves risk. Depending on the types of investments, there may be varying degrees of risk. Investors should be prepared to bear loss, including total loss of principal. Indices mentioned during this broadcast are unmanaged and cannot be invested indirectly. When we state that we're investing in the S&P 500, Russell 2000, and other indexes, we mean that we invest in funds that mimic the index, not the index itself. Diversification and asset allocation strategies do not always assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing regular amounts steadily over time, dollar cost averaging, may lower your average per share cost. Periodic investment programs cannot guarantee profit or protect against loss in a declining market. Dollar cost averaging is a long-term strategy involving continuous investing, regardless of fluctuating price levels, and as a result, you should consider your financial ability to continue to invest during periods of fluctuating price levels. Tax-free withdrawals or tax-free income references are dependent on terms and conditions that vary based on the product or investment selected. Client testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are no guarantee of future performance or success. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC.